TFS. Martin Woodward here, and this is our second show in our Road to Rosario special series. Today we're going to be talking about the architecture edition with Cameron Skinner. But first, let me introduce my co-host, Paul Hacker from TFSTimes.com. Hi, Paul. Hey, Martin. How are you today, sir? Very good, thank you. And Mickey Gousset from TeamSystemRocks.com. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Martin. We've got a jam-packed show lined up with our special guests, so let's jump straight in and introduce him. Mickey, do you want to do the honours? Cameron Skinner joined Microsoft in 2005 and is currently a product unit manager on the Visual Studio Team System team. He is responsible for overseeing the Team Edition Architect product line. Prior to Microsoft, Cameron was the CTO and Chief Architect of Application Development Tools for Embarcadero Technologies. Earlier in his career, he served as CTO for Advanced Software Technologies. In his limited spare time, Cameron enjoys spending time with his wife and three children and playing his acoustic bass. Cameron, I want to welcome you to Radio TFS. Hey, guys. Now, I'm going to let you kind of kind of run away with what you want to talk about. Give us kind of an idea of what's up with the Architecture Edition, what it was originally geared for, all of that. But I'll tell you right now, I've, I have very little modeling experience myself. And mm-hmm. so I've never been a big fan of the current architecture edition as it stands. So yeah. I'll be interested to hear from you as far as where it's going and and yep. let you sell me on it. Yep. Well, you know what, Mickey? You are going to be my my um, my litmus test in many ways. If if I can get you saying, hey, you know, Cameron, you guys nailed it because I'm finding this tool useful, then I know we succeeded. Because we you shouldn't have to be a you know, ivory tower architect to use this product moving forward. We've really changed the, the focus of this product is to how do we um, leverage modeling, how do we use modeling and make it more salient to a much broader range of people than just, you know, the ivory tower modelers. Um, and we're doing that in a number of different ways, and I'll, I guess I'll just jump right into it. Um, we really want to make, uh, you know, modeling – uh, a key piece of the entire life cycle. So not just where you see it classically today, which is this, you know, big upfront design kind of um, phase in the, in the life cycle. We actually want to, we want to support that, clearly, uh, but we also want to drive that throughout the life cycle and have those, those documents that are being driven via those models, those visual models, what have you, are being pushed and used and leveraged throughout the life cycle as requirements are being elicited, as those requirements are being realized, as the dev is in there um, trying to understand the complexity around uh, the system that they're building, um, as they, you know, try to figure out how are we going to deploy this, uh, et cetera, et cetera. These are all areas where modeling technologies should be, should be realized and used. And we think in the, you know, in the past, we just haven't succeeded as an industry in, in really figuring out, you know, what the sweet spot is and where should these things be used. And I think there's a number of reasons for that, and we can get into it. But the key thing for the architecture edition this go-round is to make this stuff useful uh, for, for developers, for the Mickey Gousses out there, uh, you know, for uh, guys who are in the middle of, of, of you know, developing their software, existing software, not just greenfield applications, but stuff that's there sitting there and it's been sitting there for a while and how do we use this, these new technologies to move that stuff forward? The, this, is, this is the sweet spot for this tool now. So we're we talking, this is Martin, hi Cameron. So we're talking about um, analysis of existing code and architectures as well as, you know, logical modeling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, in many ways this particular tool is going to support, 
you can think of it as two major scenarios um, that that we're going to support. We're, you know, you've got the classic top down. That's where you know, and we'll talk about the whole OMG and the UML uh, and how we're embracing that. But you've got like the classic top down where guys can come in and say, break their requirements down into use case stories, further realize that interactivity graphs, etc. Very you know, logical conceptual modeling. We're going to support that, but also give you the ability to go bottoms up and to point the product at your existing source base and, and give you the ability to reason over that source base and, and get your head around that. And then, you know, how do you leverage that into driving new design into your existing software? That's a major focus area of the product. Okay, so just taking taking the – if we take it top-down first and then bottom-up next, if we do that. <laughs> so sure. from, from the top-down, one of the problems I've always had with – um, architecture tools, and this is, you know, as an industry, not just the existing SKU, um, yeah. is that they, especially ones that are in an IDE, tend to make you go physical too early, you know, when you're designing. Um, they yeah. tend to be related to classes and exact method calls, say, in a sequence diagram, rather than allowing you to think logically and then and then slowly move physically. Do you, yeah. how do you, how do you think about that? Yeah. So you you make the choice of when you want to take your logical models physical. You you can never do it. You could you could say I want to now you know uh, generate code, uh, but then maybe I just wanted to do that for prototyping purposes or what have you. Or you you can just leave it at the logical conceptual um, layer and 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 never have to go go directly to code. Now we we want to give you the ability to go to code as well. Clearly. Uh, but that dial there, Martin, is you know you can you can turn it all the way left. You can turn it all the way to eleven. You know it's 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 your call. Now, to be honest with you, I think that the the product is is going to be um, we're we're going to have more work to do even beyond Rosario to really realize the uh, you know the pushing the forward gen the classic round tripping side because our focus isn't really there. It's 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 our focus is more on on understanding the logical conceptual than be able to transform that potentially um, into some lower level code. But our focus is more on the how do you understand your existing software and that, and that bottoms up approach as well. So it's going to be finding that sweet spot between the two, and I think that's going to be you know completely up to the you know this particular individuals in the organization on how far they want to take each of those those features. No, it's great. It's good that the tool supports it though, because like I say, a lot of the tools out there at the minute assume you know you want to go directly into writing a class in a particular language and yeah. uh, i might i mean i'm i do i do cross-platform development so sometimes i'm writing stuff in visual studio sometimes i'm writing stuff in, in eclipse you know and it, yeah. yeah it would be nice to still be able to use the architecture tools to, to do my modeling um, well so. and the other thing that's going to be interesting about the architecture tool being part of the the you know the team system product line is that you know we're going to have some some features that really dig into the rest of team system as well. So you know to be able to to realize your use cases and actually have those backed by let's say work items that you can then flow through the rest of the product. You know that kind of thing is going to be an interesting aspect of the product. So could I could I like click on um, you know an, an actor or something in a use case diagram or click on um, classes and things and, and create requirements from them or create create work items from them and link them to those items in my diagrams yeah that's exactly right so you're gonna be able to on any of the diagrams be able to right click on a, on a you know shape on that diagram or the diagram it's uh, the complete diagram and say hey 
create work item here and assign it, include this diagram, assign it to a particular uh, you know, dev or what resource, what have you, and then that work item plus the diagram goes to that, uh, you know, to that person. And is it is it just work items you can link to, or could you link to other things as well? Um, well, so you're going to be able to link directly to work items, so we'll include it actually in the work item, so we can leverage that entire infrastructure. If I understand your question right, though, you will be able to do other things in the diagram, like for instance. You can have links jumping from diagrams to other diagrams, for instance. Yeah, spot on. So you can zoom in, sort of thing, and, and yeah, zoom around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or be able to draw, drag, you know, a word doc or what have you, and represent that on on a diagram, and then be able to double click on that and raise the di- uh, raise that document, that sort of thing. So maybe like a user interface diagram or user interface screenshots, we can bring them in and link them in, and you know, this is where this comes from. Because quite often, say. Um, uh, some sort of interaction diagram, you might have a use case, you know, uh, uh, screenshots that back off against it. Yeah, model. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes the easiest thing to do is just, hey, you know, we're breaking these requirements down or what have you, and here's a, here's a screenshot of, you know, whatever it is, and we're just going to include that picture even, you know, and we want to put that, include that right here with the rest of the diagram um, to kind of show its place in the overall breakdown of the system, you know, but we're not going to, you know, we want to give you that flexibility. This is sounding exciting to me. I'm getting excited now. <laughs> I've got one more question about, um, and then I'll hand over to Paul, but one of the questions that just, one of the biggest problems with existing, you know, in 2008 is um, sharing sharing the diagrams and sharing yeah. the stuff that comes out of it. You know, you want your, div- you, you have a fancy Dan, uh, you know, view of the architecture, but in the existing SKUs, you've no way of really sharing that with your developers rather than taking a big screenshot and dumping it into yeah. Word. Is that improved yeah. now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I, I, we've heard this one uh, quite a bit. You, you MVPs were beating us up on this one it's pretty, pretty well. So we're going to put in the product the ability <laughs> to essentially have a read-only um, capability in all the SKUs. So, if, wow. if let's say taking our scenario right where where I right clicked on the diagram and said hey associate this diagram with this work item and assign it to this other other uh, dev or what have you that dev comes into uh, you know his office the next morning he doesn't have the architecture edition on his box but he does have the developer edition let's say he will be able to open that work item double click and see that diagram in a read only mode. And, and can you still to, zoom into it and look at the related work items and do all that yeah, sort of stuff? Yeah, so as long as he's not changing the diagram in any way, yep. he will be able to navigate it. Oh, fantastic. Sweet. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah. That's what so, I wanted. You know, yeah, I mean, so, you know, we're, we're, still, this is, we're still working on the bits here and stuff, so there's going to be some dials to this. But, um, but, yeah, as long as they're not changing it, modifying it in any way, you're going to be able to view it uh, full fidelity. Okay, Cameron, this is Paul here. Um, I want to talk about a little bit now about the um, whole bottom-up modeling experience, what some of the analysis tools are, what are some of the tools for doing that bottom-up uh, modeling. Could you expand yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple different different ways we're, we're going after this one. There's, there's, we're going to give you the ability to uh, get into your code and write in the, in, you know, right-click on a particular method in the text editor and say, hey, generate sequence diagrams. Then that would bring up a, 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 a dialogue, and we're tweaking exactly what this thing looks like, but give you the ability to kind of control the information that's going to come out of that. So, for instance, I want to right-click on this on this particular method. I only want to go, let's say, three calls deep to to explore uh, what this method or the objects that that it ends up calling, 
and I want to view that in a sequence diagram automatically. Just generate the sequence diagram for me. So go, go look at okay. from this method down. Show me all the objects and the method calls I'm making in a visual sequence diagram, um, so that I can kind of get my head around uh, how this particular method and the the object that this method is in, how that kind of what what role that's playing in this overall orchestration between all these different different objects. Um, Give you that ability. Right-click, generate sequence diagram. That's one. Uh, the other one is 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 <clears throat> much more of an uh, exploration kind of kind of um, uh, way into the product. So we literally have a, uh, a what we call the architecture explorer component in the tool, which allows you to really kind of go kind of go uh, you know running through your solution and trying to find the, the areas that you really want to care about. So. There's this thing we're calling the IntelliBrowser, and you're able to go through there and say, um, show me these various classes, or et cetera, and drill into that, and, and then be able to view um, those classes and dependencies between those classes as you build up the query. It's kind of hard to talk about this on the radio. This is where, you know, pictures a thousand words. But you, you want to be able to say, for these three classes, how are they related? Show me the graph. Boom. And the graph is not a UML graph. This is, a, this is more of a specific DSL that just says, Nodes and lines. I just want to see how this particular class is related to this other one. Show me that. All right, great. And then I can view that diagram. And I can zoom in and out, etc. Or give me another way of viewing it. Show me my assembly dependencies for this particular solution. So you're going to be able to reach up to the um, uh, analyze menu item in in uh, Studio and say visualize code and say show me my assembly dependencies for my solution. Bang, you get this. Um, nice graph that shows you all the dependencies between all the assemblies in your particular solution. You could view that also by namespace or by class. So we're giving you this really rich way of drilling in from the top of your, you know, you know your physical assets, so that that assembly view, and then drill all the way into how is this method relating to this other, and 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 a number of other things like um, how many lines of code in this in this particular class. Show show me that on the diagram. Um, so on that same diagram, show like line counts or method counts or something like that. Absolutely. So this is really a, a way to not. Um, this is this is where we're saying what what is what is the problem that we're trying to solve here in this particular case? And the and the idea here is I want to be able to show a bunch of different information on the same graph, not be limited by um, uh, you know any kind of standard notation, etc. This is literally just nodes and lines and give you the ability to say, what are you going to drop into that graph? So this is a graph that's really, um, in one respect, it's, it's read-only. Because once you bring it up, you're not able to really manipulate the layout, et cetera. It's more of a view of your query that you've now built up with that architecture browser. But, but the query is quickly malleable. You can quickly change it and say, oh, you know what? I, I don't want to see uh, that particular class or that particular class, so just delete that and delete this one. I want to view this class and how it relates to those other ones. Um, that sort of thing. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, totally. It's really cool. It kind of reminds me of some of the tools the network guys have, you know, for monitoring network traffic and analyzing networks. And in code, we've never really had these tools, you know, to manage, yeah, to manage it's, the systems. It's similar. We basically are saying, hey, what can we just give you some different views or perspectives over your code base? Um, that can help you just rock it better, you know. I mean, another way of showing that is literally a dependency matrix view. You just, you know, there's a bunch of different ways of viewing these graphs. 
and you know quickly let me view this graph as a as a tree hierarchy perhaps or let me view it as a dependency matrix you know um, that kind of thing I mean, just just whatever's whatever gets across that information as quickly as possible so you can actually go and get your work done uh, that's that's what we're trying to figure out and would I be able to move stuff around and annotate it a little bit in my diagram just while I'm trying to like get myself you know figure mys- figure out what's going on yeah so that's that's where we've got to find the, the this particular thing that I'm talking about um, is, like I was saying, it's, kind of, it's, a, it's a read-only view. It's a way to get in there and understand how things are related, uh, so to speak. That's where the other, other graphs um, that we were talking about, the top, top down, and there's actually another graph that it kind of spans the two, which we should talk about. But it's those, those, the top-down graphs, the UML diagrams, et cetera, are the ones where you can really pour in as much metadata as you want right now. Um, and we've got to figure out where the handoff points between these two are, um, and we've got we've got a few scenarios that we're working through, but we're going to need um, you know to get more feedback from folks like yourself to figure out you know where where is that handoff point between the I'm just exploring and I just need to find out where I am, and now I need to go and actually manipulate, and I want to manipulate through the graph, or I'm going to go manipulate through the code. Those are where the scenarios that we're still working out. Okay, yeah, because one of the things. I could quite often see is, you know, you're looking, you're looking at a bit of code and you, you see something that looks a bit, you know, it smells bad. It just looks a bit funny. And so you might want to raise a work item to a developer and say, hey, you know, what's going on here? This is your area. What, what's, what's this about? Yeah, now that you will be able to do. So now that you get there and you're like, whoa, this, this definitely smells bad. Um, Right-click, include that diagram and that picture, or more importantly, the query that got you there, and you'll be able to attach that to your work item and off it goes. All right. So you mentioned, Cameron, that there was a graph or, or, or that spans the two. You do that out there. You said there's something else we needed to talk about. What is that that we need to talk about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, this is what we're calling the layer diagram, and that, that term may change uh, once our marketing guys get on that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's basically the, the – um, you guys have seen this a thousand times where you, you walk into – a team room of some kind, and you see the conceptual architecture up on the whiteboard. You know, you you got a bunch of boxes and it's got some lines between them, and it's like, oh, that top box, that's our UI layer. The middle box there, that's our business data layer, and the bottom box there is our data layer, right? You guys have seen that a hundred thousand times, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, n- and, not always uh, strictly related to the truth either. That's what they wanted it to be. That's not always yeah. how it turned out. You know what? That's a that is a fantastic comment because that is exactly what this this graph is about. It's the ability to say, all right, logically, we believe our architecture looks this way, and so you draw those boxes, and we believe that dependency should flow in this direction. So the UI uh, layer should talk to the business layer, and the business layer should talk to the data layer, but the UI layer should absolutely not talk directly with the data layer, for instance. We're going to give you the ability to draw that and, and, and then put in those constraints via, uh, you know, navigable arrows, for instance, or the lack thereof, and that's meaningful, and then be able to say, okay, that's what we believe our architecture is, right? At that point, then, we're going to give you the ability to essentially map your physical assets onto that diagram, okay? So you can basically say, okay, what makes up my UI layer? Oh, well, it's this project and this project and this project. All right, drag from the Solution Explorer, drag and drop from the Solution Explorer that particular project onto that particular layer. Boom, you've now mapped uh, your physical assets to that conceptual understanding of your architecture, okay? 
And you could drag individual classes, et cetera, on, onto those too. So, so now you go through this exercise of mapping your physical assets onto these individual layers. And you've already told us these layers should, should be flowing between the two in a certain way. Now what we can do is go and validate that. So now we can say, okay, you believe your architecture looks this way and you believe it's working this way. Let's go verify. And we can go verify that, hey, all the assets that you've mapped to that UI layer, um, are they really, is really no, none of those classes is talking to the data layer? Really? Are we sure? And, and now our, our product will go through and actually verify that, yeah, indeed, you don't have any violations of that particular architectural constraint that you have described in that layer diagram. Or, more importantly, yeah, you broke it, and here's where, right? And the idea there is um, be able to draw what you think your architecture diagram is, then be able to validate and verify that. And, and you need to be able to verify that in, in two very important steps um, that we're supporting. You, you need to be able to verify and validate that at check-in time, so like a, a check-in policy. We're, we're trying to work on a check-in policy that actually does architectural validation. Ooh. And you also want, you, want, you want that as part of your build, right? So you want to plug in to uh, the workflow that is um, you know, in team build, and a key piece of that workflow is architectural validation. And, you know, depending on how you want to, uh, you as an organization, how much you want to lean on this, you could actually say a build fail. If I get any kind of architectural um, uh, validation that fails, that, I want to consider that a build failure, right? I, I do not even want to waste time taking this to, to uh, you know, test, give it to, to the test guys if some fundamental architectural constraints have been violated that's fantastic spot on you've uh, it's it's really funny because <laughs> you know it's nice we you, you 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 give this you give feedback to microsoft in these mvp meetings and on the forums and stuff and you know quite often you hear people nodding their head you know but it's nice to that you've been able to go away and actually you know do some of this stuff it sounds it sounds impossible to do you know it's amazing i'm really looking forward to playing with it yeah, no, well, hey, I have to say, hats off to you guys, because honestly, the, the, the team system MVPs have been phenomenal um, in giving us the feedback that, that, that we've taken to the product. And, you know, a lot of times you can get a lot of folks who are very passionate in a certain area, and it's just, you know, not applicable to the, to the grander audience. But team system MVPs can be very pragmatic, very practical, um, and so taking that feedback and actually doing something with it um, actually tends to be fairly straightforward. The, the, the issue is not, oh, is that a good idea or not? It's just, man, do we have the bandwidth? Do we have the resource? Can we, can we, do we have enough time in the schedule to make that happen? That's, that's the painful part uh, of this job, honestly. Well, I'm, I'm listening to all of these, these new things that are, they're throwing in there, and I liken this kind of to how Team Build was revamped when you went from 2005 to 2008. I mean, right. Team Build 2005, you know, it worked, it worked okay, but 2008 yep. just completely kicked some butt. And yep. it sounds to me that you've got all these, I mean, I'm intrigued enough now listening to you talk that I want to get, you know, get a new, get a new version of the CTP and I want to start playing with all these things and start looking at these diagrams and start trying to understand them more to try to understand the modeling world more. So then hopefully yep. I can see how I can use this in my daily job. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, a couple things that I, I'm always talking to my team about and, and um, you know, when I give a talk, I'm talking about kind of the three pillars to the, 
to uh, the, the architecture edition now as, as we drive into the, into the product. And, and really, it's about, you know, we've got to manage this complexity uh, that's in our systems. Um, we've got to be able to understand our system in order to manipulate the system, in order to leverage it into new, um, you know, into newer uh, features or, or bugs or what have you. But that understand, manipulate, and leverage is just, is just a key piece that's driving this product. Uh, and then, of course, we talk about this light up across the ALM, and that's really leverage the data that's in the TFS warehouse uh, in many ways. And, and, you know, how do we start pulling the data that's in the warehouse, turn that into information that you can then lay over on these diagrams. We've got a ways to go to really realizing that, but, but boy, we're on, we're, on the way, we're, we're on the way there. Um, but, but, yeah, absolutely, uh, you know, I, I really look forward to you guys digging in. I mean, there's a, there's a number of key extensibility points in the, in the product that we're going to be putting out there. Um, you know, Martin, you, you were talking about, you, you know, you're big on the, on the Java side of the, uh, of the world as well. Uh-huh. I mean, the, yeah. you know, we were talking about that architecture explorer and the ability of that thing to go and analyze your base and, and pull that up and realize that in these various graphs that we were talking about. That entire architecture is a, um, a provider model that you could go write a provider that could then be, you know, could plug into the system, and you could go pull in, you know, analysis of your Java source, let's say. So it knew about J2E type architectures as well as your stuff, which knows about .NET architectures. That's right. That's right. So you could, you know, I know you're doing some really cool stuff on the back end, so you can do, you know, Java coming out of Team Build, et cetera. Um, you could do this. Now, clearly, um, this, this is a, um, a, win, a Windows client side, but you could clearly go pull uh, that Java information into the graph and reason over it and, you know, assign it to your work items, et cetera, et cetera, via this architecture. Yeah, I mean, the majority uh, of desktops that people, you know, that people use in, in business are, are Windows desktops still. You know, they deploy onto all sorts of environments and use all sorts of programming languages. But the... Um, yeah, the majority of desktops that architects use for sure are Windows desktops. You know, it's the it's yeah. those fancy designers that use the Macs typically, uh, and and programmers. You know. Yeah, no, I hear you. But anyway, that, I just wanted to point out that that's that's an extensibility point that that, that we could leverage. Um, another one is the fact that the the analysis pipeline that we've got going on in the in the product are all custom MS build tasks. That's how we're going to be you know integrating with with the team build environment. And, and that can be greatly extended. There's a kind of a pipeline in how the analysis, how we read in those layer diagrams I was talking about, how, what, what analyzer to actually go um, pour over that layer diagram and how it goes, pours over your source, combines the two and comes up with this, you know, um, the, the, the validation errors, et cetera. That's all extensible as well. Wow. <laughs> now, you, now you get me really frightened and interested at the same time. And that's all going to be documented, right, Cameron? Yeah, nth degree, absolutely. In one way or excellent, another. Excellent, excellent. One way or another, we're going to get it done. <laughs> so um, let's talk a bit. Um, you guys have joined the OMG recently, I saw. Um, let's yeah. talk about a bit about you, you know, UML and and how you've uh, embracing UML and how that extends again top down. As you can tell, I'm more of a I, I have an architecture background, so this this be yeah. interesting. Well, you know what, this is this is about the right tool for the right job, uh, and this this is about us, you know, needing to interop better at the enterprise level. Um, this is this is us hearing the feedback from our customers. 
um, saying, you know, I, I, I love the, the, the DSL-only stuff, but, you know, I still am collaborating with my vendors or other areas of my, my um, organization that's using the, the standard notation that is UML. I mean, I think, I think <clears throat> Forrester um, had, a, had a, some sort of write-up that says, you know, 70-something percent of the IT groups are, you know, using UML notation for collaboration purposes. It's like, you know, we, we, we've, we've got to uh, do our part there. Um, and, you know, we're joining the OMG to uh, participate in that conversation more fully and, and to say, hey, listen, how, how do we take the UML uh, and actually, you know, make that even realize that collaborative nature, how to, you know, make that more real um, uh, further the the um, uh, the effectiveness of a UML graph to collaborate uh, and communicate these complicated problem domain areas, and how do we you know how do we better that? Um, that's it. I mean, we we basically just got in there and said, look, customers are asking for this. It makes sense. Um, we need to figure out. We're, we're our eyes are always wide open on how do we better communicate and collaborate between different roles in the organization. As you guys know, team system is all about um, you know, breaking down these walls between these, these the various folks, the, the, the you know the various people in your organization. How do we facilitate communication between them? And we're seeing UML just yet another way of uh, you know of easing that that communication boundary. Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a lingua franca in, in the IT industry now. One of the problems I have with a lot of the existing you know UML tools um, is that they can be too strict. In the language, because UML is, it can be very strict. But oftentimes, you know, especially when you're doing log, uh, logical modeling, you just want to kind of play with things a bit. And you know, Visio with the UM2, UML2 templates is often, for me, the easiest tool because I can just play with things, and it doesn't strictly enforce some of the UML language constraints on me as much as, say, some of the competing tools. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Absolutely. I mean, Martin, what, the, the the way we like to think of that uh, on this team is. We've got this concept of a soft validate or a soft constraint versus a hard constraint, and the idea there is um, we will always lean towards a soft constraint versus a hard. And let me define that: a soft constraint being, hey, listen, we're going to let you do things that perhaps the spec doesn't allow you to, to do. You know, it just it basically says you can't do, like for instance, you can't have two classes with the same name in the same package, for instance. Um, we're actually going to let you do that. Now, the difference is we're also going to give you the ability to validate your model. So if you really care about UML correctness, per se, um, then we're going to point out in your model where you are valid or, or invalidating those rules or, or um, uh, you know, you, you've invalidated. There's some term I'm, I'm, I'm missing here that, I'm, trying, that I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm having a hard time coming up with. But the bottom line is if you are violating a rule, that the spec says to be a correct model, we're just going to flag it for you and tell you about it, but we're not going to prevent you from being liberal on the diagram. A bit like a compiler warning versus a compiler error. Exactly. That's exactly, absolutely, that's a better way of saying it. Yeah, I could have taken the last five minutes and just said that. Absolutely. Um, that, that is absolutely the right way to think about it. And there should be very few hard constraints. In fact, I can't think of any off the top of my head where we are preventing you from doing something in the tool. I'm sure there will be a couple in the end, but I, I can't think of anything right now. 
No, it's cool. I mean, and that kind of, because the whole point of team system, especially if you buy, if your organization can afford, you know, to give everybody suite or to give a lot of people suite, um, is that people start picking up tools that they might not necessarily use before, you know, and say, start using some of the architecture tools from the bottom up way and then think, hey, next time round, I'm going to come this top down and design it a bit better and you know, first time I maybe get a lot of warnings. Well, what's, what does this warning actually mean? You know, and, yeah. and from that discover architecture rather than, you know, doing what I did and go on, you know, a few weeks intensive courses on UML and then just bring my UML for dummies book with me whenever I go on a consulting gig, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a great, there's a great quote and I, I cannot remember who said this. Maybe you guys can help me here, but it's basically the, the focus on the stone and not the chisel. And in many ways, you know, the fact that you're using UML tools or what have you is, is really not the point. You know, but the point is, how do we solve the problem in front of us? And we, we, we we're choosing our tools to solve this particular business problem, but that is the point. The, 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 you're, you, we're using tools, and we're using tools on the .NET platform because we believe that those tools will get you to the finish line faster and more, in, a, in a more productive way. That's really the point. And, you know, we don't want to just be constantly hitting you in the head, making sure that you're aware of what tool you're, you're, you're particularly using at that particular point in time. The tools, in, in my opinion, you, you should get so fluent using them that you don't, they're not, you don't even, you're not even aware you're, you're, you're doing it. You're, you're reaching over here and you're grabbing this particular paintbrush and all you know is I'm, I'm, I'm painting this, you know, it's now a, this fairly wide brush versus this fairly thin brush and I'm just moving forward. That, that's, the kind of fluency that we're trying to get to um, with with the tooling, and, and in some cases we're doing a good job. In some cases, you know, we got some got some work to do. But that's the kind of idea and the way I like to think about that. So, Cameron, let me ask you as we start to to wind things up here: What is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to mention, or is there anything that people should be looking at, or especially, you know, really focus on anything that's like your favorite piece that people should look at, anything you just want to make sure gets out there? Well, um, you know, I, I, I really want to, this layer diagram concept we were talking about, I, I really want to make sure that that's um, uh, really seamless and, and works really well. I really want to understand from, from the beginning to end uh, how well that works in an organization. So as we start talking about architectural validation, I want to make sure that that, you know, really feels right and flows through the whole process. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, we test a lot of the extensibility points above and beyond what we're currently going to do um, uh, into other areas. Like, for instance, you know, I was just talking about that, like the job, getting a Java provider behind the architecture explorer, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I... I I really hope a lot of folks can get to TDC this year because we're, we're rolling out <clears throat> a whole lot of these technologies, Architecture Edition as well. Um, I'm going to be giving a talk and showing uh, all of Rosario in a talk at TDC. So, you know, if folks can get to the PDC, um, they're going to see a lot of great stuff. So, you know, that would be great. And we're going to have a lot of hands-on labs there where they can start, you know, dr drilling into some of these technologies. Um, but, you know, I think it's just keep the feedback coming, you know. I just, the more people use it, the, 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 and, the, and the richer that feedback is, the better. And, and honestly, the earlier, the, the earlier and often is really what, what uh, I, I'd like to drive for. The earlier we get some critical feedback, 
the better we'll be, the, the better the chances that we'll be able to actually get it into the product this go around. Excellent, Cameron. Um, this is Paul again. Uh, Cameron, as we start to wrap up now, um, I want to first off thank you for your time today. We know you're really busy uh, working on this product and everything, and you know, taking the time out to speak with Radio TFS is great. Um, I, what I would like to ask is um, for our listeners out there, where would they want to send their feedback to? Uh, probably the first place to go to is the, uh, the Rosario Forum, um, where you know, you're going to get uh, an area where all, your, all the current guys who are out there using the products uh, are already... Um, you're going to see a lot of feedback already there, and, and your, your answer most likely will be answered just by cruising through the feedback that's already there. Um, that's that's the first step. Um, and then there's the the tried and true connect site um, that is always available, uh, where you could you know put in your feedback there as well. But I, I highly recommend the Rosario um, forums first because um, uh, that's a, just a great way, and the product teams all over that, uh, as are uh, a lot of the MVPs as well. Yeah, I would say that. The, I mean, both both areas you guys take very very seriously. I know uh, the the forums are great to talk in. You know, one on one with team members. I've had a lot of relationships with. Well, not not that sounds bad, but a lot of people I know in the product group just from chatting to them in the forums and things. And then yep. the the connect bugs. It always amazes me. Like when you log a bug in Connect, how seriously that's taken by the product groups. Yes, not all bugs are created equal, and if it's a, you know if it's coming from a customer, it's very it's a, you know we we triage that differently. Thanks very much for your time, Cameron. I just wanted to remind everybody, um, if you've got any questions or comments about the show, then email radiotfs at gmail.com. Or um, if you want to come along to the website at radiotfs.com, we'll have the links to the feedback sites that Cameron mentioned there. So thank you for your time. 